Welcome to the Joy for Ministry podcast. My name is Joy. I am so glad you are here. You are in for a treat today. I get to interview my good friend, Caitlin. I hope that you are inspired and enjoy this podcast. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good. It's so good to see you, even if it's over Zoom. Yes, I love seeing your face. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, so my name's Caitlin Elliott. Um, my husband is a pastor. I have two little girls, um, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. I'm a teacher part-time. I teach basic skills two days a week at a public school here in New Jersey. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much, that's me. Wife, and mom. you, you are like me, a Jersey girl. Yes, absolutely. Born, raised. Yes. <laughs> and I love it because I feel like ever since I met you, I could totally connect with you. Like we have that same like way we talk. And absolutely. <laughs> I love how you get like so excited about certain things. Oh and- yeah. I have trouble <laughs> controlling my volume. That's for sure. But I just blame it on Jersey. I just, <laughs> I get, I get excited and then I'm yelling but I'm not angry yelling. I'm just loud. I can't help it. I love it. That's how it's supposed (laughs) to be. (laughs) So I miss our times at Wegmans. Caitlin and I um, have been in a small group together in the past of pastor's wives, which has been awesome. Mm -hmm. And we had our little Wegmans get togethers, which we haven't had now. Yeah. This pandemic is me. Yes. I'm missing my people missing seeing people. I mean, thank goodness, obviously for things like Zoom or Marco Polo to be able to talk. But of course I miss like seeing all my. Yeah. We're big Marco Polo fans. Oh, you and I. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, this is not an ad, but like they should pay us because it's like, (laughs) I am so pro Marco Polo. If you do not have the app, you need it, especially in times of pandemic. It's such a good video chat with your friends. I agree. So how long have you been a pastor's wife? So I've been officially a pastor's wife for about five years. That's how long we've been at our current church where my husband's been on staff full time. But previous to that, we had been involved in some different church plants and some different like part-time ministry roles. So for pretty much our entire marriage, we've been in ministry, but I've been officially, you know, a pastor's wife for about five years. Okay. Um, And did you feel prepared to step into that role? So yes and no, right? Yes, in the sense that I grew up as a pastor's kid. My dad became a pastor when I was in kindergarten. So that's, ministry is kind of all I know. You know what I mean? Like I don't really know a life where you are not related to the pastor. And even in my family, you know, my uncle's a pastor, my brother-in-law's a pastor, my dad's cousin is a pastor. Like it just feels to me growing up, it was always just kind of like, oh, whatever. This is, it's normal to be related to the guy who's preaching. Like that's just what it is. So I think that, sure, I felt prepared to be a pastor's wife in the sense that I had grown up as a pastor's kid. I understood kind of some ins and outs of ministry and the complexities of it and the stresses of it and things like that. But no, I was not prepared for it because you can't be prepared for it. You know what I mean? Like nobody can ever really explain to you 
how to be a pastor's wife. And I know that that sounds silly, but no one can really explain to you exactly what to expect or how you're going to feel or how you're going to take to it and things like that. So sure. Yeah. I felt prepared because I knew about being in ministry. Right. No, because, you know, I knew that my mom went through a lot of, you know, good and really hard things being a pastor's wife. And so I knew that there was going to be some interesting things ahead. That's interesting because I've never spoken with, um, I mean, I'm sure I've spoken with other pastor's wives who grew up in ministry, but not any that I've really talked extensively to that have had that experience stepping into the role. Yeah. And I wonder how that has influenced you. I know when I stepped into the role, I, I didn't have, any, we didn't really even grow up in church. Yeah. So, um, I think you're, you're probably right. Like nobody can fully prepare you, mm-hmm. but maybe you had some, you know, the, you knew the inner workings and. Yes. Um, totally. Like I would definitely say it worked to my benefit in the sense that I did not come in to being a pastor's wife, super starry-eyed, thinking like this is just gonna be a fairy tale, you know, where it's just right. like beautiful and worship songs all the time and everyone's happy constantly. You know, like I right. knew going into it, there is a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, you know, there's a lot of people that complain. There's a lot of just hard decisions that have to be made at a professional level at a church. There's issues with budget, there's issues with staff, there's issues with volunteers, or just there's people going through really hard things, you know, and the pastor right. goes out really late at night to be with someone when they're going through something or gets on the phone with them or travels to be with someone or whatever. So I definitely didn't go into it, you know, with stars in my eyes thinking this is just going to be fabulous all the day long. You know, right. I didn't know because I grew up as a pastor's kid, I did know that you know, there's long hours and, and, you know, struggles involved with being a pastor, you know? Right. Sure. Did that influence whether you wanted to go into ministry or not, or like, did you feel called to go into ministry? So it's funny because, um, when I met my husband, Scott, he was in seminary at Denver seminary, which is where my father went which is so random because like I grew up in New Jersey. My parents grew up in New Jersey, but my dad and mom happened to move out to Colorado for just a few short years for my dad to go to seminary. And then they moved back. And I happened to be in Colorado for just a brief um, missions organization that I was working with had sent me out there for just a few weeks one summer. Wow. And I met him and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm a Denver seminary student. And I immediately was like, Ooh, I want to love this guy, but I don't know if I can because like <laughs> he, he's maybe my dad. You know what I, mean? uh, so I was like, maybe I'm marrying my dad. Like, do I, and I just immediately was like, Oh gosh, do I want to be a pastor's wife? I don't know. You know? And I think that there was so much of me that did feel like, Oh man, like maybe I just need to marry an accountant, like someone, <laughs> normal. you know what I mean? But then I, I remember also just kind of, what does that even mean? What is normal? You know, like I grew up as a right. pastor's kid. I don't know anything different, you know? And, um, and it was funny because like Scott and I met when I was out there doing ministry, you know? And so was right. he, he was uh, working with a church at that time. And so just kind of was like, we're both doing ministry we obviously were both passionate about it and had that in common and our lives just kind of flowed together. You know what I mean? And it just kind of felt like this is obviously what God had for us, you know? 
Yeah. I love that. So what are some of the early struggles that you faced and how did they affect your life in ministry? So when we first came on at this church five years ago, I remember just feeling because at the time, I think I was 25, 26 years old and Scott and I had only been married for two years. We had no kids. We had just moved back from Colorado. So we were staying with my parents. We didn't even have our own place to live. And I just remember feeling like I am a child pretending to be an adult. Like I am standing up here and they're like, here's your new pastor and his wife. And I was just like, these people are probably looking at me like, are you kidding me? Who is this child? Like, she's a kid. She has nothing to bring to the table. Like, like, what can we possibly expect of her? She looks like she's a college kid, you know? And so I remember just feeling so insecure about that. Like, people probably can tell that we don't know what we're doing. And, like, they can tell that we're just, like, young and naive. And, you know, how should I... I can guess myself a lot about like, how should I present myself? Should I, you know, just kind of hang in the back or should I try and get super involved and show people that like, you know, I can be really helpful and hands-on or should I kind of just hang in the back and, you know, kind of slowly figure things out. And so like, that was my huge insecurity at the Mm. beginning was just feeling like I'm so young. We have no kids. Like we haven't even been married that long. Why would somebody like come to us? with like a struggle when we look like Mm. we've been through basically nothing, you know? And, you know, I do feel like Scott and I, um, had each of us had been through a lot of really, really hard stuff that kind of made us like more of like an old soul. Do you know what I mean? You know, Scott's sister died when he was really young. His best friend died when we were engaged. My brother died a year after we got married. So we had been through like all of these really intense things Mm. that were these big, you know, like life altering things that had happened to us. But you know, when you meet someone and you're standing up on stage, they don't know that, you know what I mean? They just look at you and they're like, look at these kids that just moved here from Colorado. Like, what do they know? You know? Yeah. It's funny because I, I think exactly what you're saying. Like when I met you, it didn't take me very long at all to see that you were wise beyond your years. And like, I think as soon as you start to talk and people get to know you, and I think even that you say that you were standing up there thinking who is going to you know, come to us with their problems, like that speaks of your maturity and your wisdom. But I know what you're saying. Like pe- you think people are looking at you thinking how, how can they, you know, minister to us? But as soon as you, as soon as I met you and got to know you a little, I was like, like, are you real? Cause you're, you're significantly younger than I am. And I, I remember thinking you were like just an old soul, like very sweet. That's very, or like my age soul. So not an old, (laughs) yeah, not old, not old. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So yeah. And I, I do know too, like a lot of your experiences give you that um, maturity and able to minister to other people. And um, like I've always said in the joy for ministry everywhere, I put out of your greatest hurts, you know, becomes your greatest ministry and you and Scott going through so much, you know, has enabled you to minister. So what is something you hear from other pastors, wives, that is a constant struggle? So I think that 
like the obvious one among pastor's wives is, are things like, you know, they're lonely and they're burned out, right? Like those are like the more obvious ones because I think that a lot of pastor's wives feel lonely because they feel like they have to always um, present themselves in a certain way or kind of be on the ball or seem really spiritual or kind of just keep up a front. And so they have trouble being genuine with people and making genuine relationships at their church. Mm. So then they, they feel lonely. And I think that that's a really common thing. And then the burned out piece, I mean, pastor's wives always feel this pressure. I feel like to, you know, volunteer for everything, help lead everything, be in charge of things, you know, show that they're super, you know, invested and capable. And then I think that they just get burned out. But yeah. another one that I think is super common, but pastor's wives don't really talk about as often and I know it's a struggle for me and some of my friends is feeling defensive mm. all the time. You know what I mean? And it's not, because think about it, you're a church, right? You're standing in a group and people are, you know, just giving little comments about how they don't really think that a certain event went off really well, or they just hate the way that drop-off is at the kids ministry, or, you know, they really wish that we could do X, Y, and Z. And for me personally, I know that it's so hard for me in that moment not to become so defensive and feel like mm -hmm. I need to defend my husband and explain to these people, like, you don't understand. You know, they worked so hard to prep this and this happened and that's why this is like this, but I can't tell you that because that, you know, that's a, something I'm not supposed to share or whatever. And right. I find myself, you know, getting wound up right and it's like oh I just want these people to understand like how hard it is or you know my favorite one I think every pastor's wife has had somebody make the infamous so what does your husband do all day comment you know and you're just like oh my gosh like people are like don't they just work on Sundays like what do they do during the week and you're like oh they just like sit around eating bonbons you know uh. and it's like you feel like you want to be like defensive and explain and it's hard to remember, like, we don't have, we don't answer to people. You know what I mean? Like yes. we answer to the Lord and the Lord knows, and we don't have to be defensive, but it's a struggle. It's hard. It is. I love that you said that. I love, I'm going to have multiple podcasts. Actually, maybe that could be our topic. That will be your, and my topic. That we talk I about love is, it. I could talk about that forever. Yeah. You know, and I never really found that word until recently. It was maybe like three or four years ago. And I kept trying to put, like you put so perfectly into words. I kept trying to figure out what it was I was feeling. And Jason's like, you're, you're being defensive. You're getting defensive. And so I started, I looked online yeah. at this woman. Um, she wrote this beautiful blog on defensiveness and how you shouldn't be defensive. Mm -hmm. And I emailed her actually. And she emailed me back and she said, you know, this is my most, um, popular blog and she had hundreds of blogs and she's like people find this one because oh, wow. it is such a huge issue and and it yeah. really is it's you know especially when you shed light on it you see um I think sometimes people have trouble putting it into words yeah you know? yeah but yeah totally yeah that's it's it's so tough it really is you know so that, that, I would love to read that blog. You have to send that to me. I will. I'll definitely send it to you. Yeah. It's so good. Um, okay. So if you could go back and tell yourself three things when you first started out in ministry, what would they be? 
So I think one of them would definitely be, you're never going to please everyone. So don't bother trying, right? Mm. People are going to be mad. If you have too many children's events, people are going to be mad. If you don't have enough children's events, people Mm. are going to be mad. If the music is too loud, people are going to be mad. If the music is too quiet, you are there. It is impossible to please everyone. So don't try. Don't take it personally. Don't feel like everything is a personal attack at you or your husband or the church. Mm. It just is, you know, like people are going to say things, people are going to be unhappy. And again, like I said, like we don't answer to them. Like as long as we're doing our best to further the kingdom and to do what we think, you know, is right in the eyes of God, then that's really all that matters. Um, I think that I wish someone had like really sat me down and reminded me of that before we started. Um, but another one is that boundaries are just so important and, you know, to have, to guard your heart. Right. And not, and not to say, don't open yourself up. Don't make friends at your church. That's not what I'm saying, but to have appropriate boundaries. Right. And you don't need to spew everything that you're thinking all the time to, you know, people and just being able to have those know healthy boundaries with people that are in creation which Um, for a jersey girl like us sometimes is a challenge (laughs) it's so challenging honestly for me I struggle so much with like boundaries for me like it sounds good in theory like oh yeah boundaries totally that's so healthy but like in reality it's so hard because for me I grew up very like oh, like we were close with all of my extended family. Everyone talks all the time. Everyone's in each other's business. Everyone, you know, talks over each other. Like we're all just constantly spewing information about our feelings and what, you know, and it's just like, you're just so open. And so for me to then have to remind myself like, okay, Caitlin, (laughs) take it slow, like slow your roll. You don't have to say everything that you're thinking all of the time, you know, like there's a time and a place and, you know, you have to kind of slowly figure out where you fit and who your people are and who you can say things to. And then there's going to be certain friends where maybe you can't talk about certain things with them, you know? So it's, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that you're not being genuine, right? Like having boundaries, I think to me when I was younger, felt like I wasn't being genuine. Right. Right. Well, if I have to have a boundary, then I'm not really being myself, but that's not true. Right. If you have a healthy boundary, you can still be yourself without saying everything, you know, Right. because think about it. If you are the pastor's wife is, let's say you're going through an issue with your husband, right? You're having some kind of, you're having a fight you're, or something bigger. There's an issue in your marriage, whatever probably not a great idea to like walk up to the first person you see at church and start spewing, you know, the dirty laundry yeah. of your marriage to this person when your husband is their pastor, you know, right. like that's a healthy boundary to have. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk about it with anyone. You should have safe people to talk about it with, but maybe not someone in your church. Right. You know? So, yeah. so um, true. I love that. But another thing that I definitely tell myself, yeah. So another thing that I would definitely tell myself though is like kind of on a positive note, just to remember that like the vast majority of the people in your congregation are actually rooting for you and your husband, right? And just because there's some complainers, the complainers tend to have the loudest voices, right? So it's it's easy to think 
oh my gosh, everybody hated this or everybody thinks this is awful or whatever. When really it's just that handful of people that have really loud voices. But really like the majority of the people here are rooting for you. They're rooting for your husband. They want what's best for you. And just to like remind myself of that because there's times when you get stuck in this way of thinking where it's easy to think, oh, everybody hates us, yeah. right? And it's just not the case. You know, the right. majority of people are very loving and very supportive and very, very wonderful, you know? It's so true. And I think what you said makes so much sense is, you know, the criticism tends to sound the loudest. And it also, um, what do they yeah. say? Like for every time somebody, you know, criticize you, you need like seven positive things. I don't know if that's actually true. Yes. That's, yes. you know, you're right. So you tend to, those things resonate with you or you believe them, you know, they're bigger in your mind. Yeah. And you know, the positive, totally. but that's so true. And I love that you said that. And I think that right there is such a great message. It's a great message to me. It's a great message to the other pastor's wives that are listening that, yeah, you are going to have the people that are critical, but the majority of the people are rooting for you and do, do love you. And to, to remember yeah. those, not just, you know, the criticism. Totally. Absolutely. I love that. So what is the most common advice you give to another pastor's wife? So for me, not to repeat myself, but I'm going to kind of repeat myself. Honestly, it. it's the boundaries thing. You know, yeah. I just feel like it's so important. And I know you wrote a blog about this this week, which I was like, I loved because I thought you said it so well to put up boundaries, not walls. Right. Yeah. So don't go in and be like, I'm completely walled off. I am not going to make relationships here. I'm just going to like smile and nod. Um, do not do that. I'm not saying to do that. Have healthy boundaries you know, going slowly. Right. And so I've now been at my current church for five years and I have now developed some really strong, really genuine relationships at my church, but it, that doesn't happen overnight. Right. You're not just yeah. going to meet someone and overnight tell them every inner thing, you know, that's coming out of your heart and your brain, and then you're going to be best friends. And, you know, it's, it takes a little while, you know, get your feet set, feel comfortable, you know, feel it out at your church, kind of see where you fit and what people you kind of click with and what you're, you know, who you're able to share what with. And, you know, like I said, I've been really blessed to have some really safe, genuine, honest friendships at my campus. But something else that I think is really important along kind of with that boundaries is that you can't have all of your relationships be at your church. That's just yeah. not healthy because if this is where your family goes to church and this is where your husband works, and then this is where all of your friends are, it's too much all in one place. You need to have friendships outside of your church. And in addition to that, you need to have other pastors, wives from other places that you can connect with and talk to. Because I do just feel like, as I said earlier, being a pastor's wife can be lonely. So it's yeah. really important to have other pastor's wives. I mean, for me, over the last five years, our little group of pastor's wives that would meet was so, it saved me. Like in yeah. some really, really hard seasons, you know, our little group of friends, it saved me a hundred percent. Like it just helped because you guys understood what I was trying to say, what I was going through, things that I was feeling. And you just completely understood that. And that's so powerful. Right. 
And then to also have a group of friends of people that don't go to your church and don't look at you like a pastor's wife, you know, they just right. look at you like Caitlin, just like joy. You know what I mean? And the, right. it doesn't they don't care how the whatever event went on Saturday, they didn't go and they don't really care. You right. know what I mean? Like they just want you to be happy because they're your friend and they love you. You know right. what I mean? Definitely. Exactly. So and I, think I know even, that's like very long. No, I, I think that's perfect. I think like you said it so perfectly having, you know, like your group of friends that are in your church now that you have started to really grow with and develop a good friendship, you're still not going to talk to them about the struggles of being a pastor's wife because they won't understand it. Or, you know, and that's that you have your group that understand the struggle of being a pastor's wife. Mm -hmm. And then you have a group outside your church. And so you really have these great, true, authentic relationships that each one has boundaries, each set of those. It's totally. not like you're, you know, and, and I said this in the blog, I used to think that boundaries, you know, in order for me to truly be friends with, mm-hmm. you know, Caitlin, I need, she needs to know, at, you know, there can't be any secrets. Like that's how I grew up thinking. If you're really right. my friend, you're going to be my best friend and 100%. you're going to know everything. Yeah. yeah. And that's just not true. Like boundaries right. are helping you, or they're mm-hmm. keeping your relationship healthy and growing and totally. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, that's really good. So what has been rewarding about being in ministry? I know I'm sure there's many things, but if you could just pin it down to what has been the most rewarding or what's something that stands out in your mind. So when I think about what's been rewarding, honestly, I just think about people at my church who have made a conscious effort to reach out to Scott and I and our girls and just serve us in some way, you know, like I think about, um, when my girls were born, so I've now had both of my children while at this church, we had people giving us like baby gifts, little outfits and things like that. People that I wasn't even sure who they were, right? Like Scott Mm -hmm. would come home and be like, Oh, look, we have this gift from the so-and-so family. And I thought, that's so sweet that they would go to the store, pick out like this cute little dress for my daughter, just because they knew their pastor was having a baby. You know what I mean? And that's so sweet. I mean, we've had, um, we have this one family at our church that they are just, Scott and I talk about all the time, like how will we ever repay them for all the things they've done for us? You know what I mean? Like there's just like, people have let us use vacation homes. People have gifted us with zoo memberships, people. I remember one time I was talking to somebody and I was saying, it was an offhanded conversation. And I was like, you know what I really want to do is like make spaghetti out of vegetables, you know, whatever. And then two days later shows up at my door, one of those nice spiralizers from like a fancy schmancy kitchen place, you know? And it was just like, that is so sweet. You know, when I had my first daughter, I remember specifically this one couple, Mike and Talita from my church, sent us a meal. I had, I didn't even know them. I was like, I don't even know who these people are. I wrote them a thank you note. I couldn't picture who they were in my head. Now, fast forward three years, they're some of our really close friends, but you know, like they just like sent us a meal because they knew their pastor had a baby and wanted to serve. And that's just, it goes so far, Yeah, you know, for a pastor, his family, I think just like little things and big things. Like it just means so much that you took time out of your day thought about, oh, my pastor and his wife are going through this thing. Let me send them this, or let me write them a note or reach out. 
you know, and I just think that that's, it's so special, you know? Yeah. I love that. And sometimes you, people just will never know how much something means. Totally. Absolutely. I I remember two, it was maybe two Christmases ago. Um, somebody on the worship team was a Christmas Eve. Somebody came, she was on the worship team and I walked in the door and she comes up and hands me a big cup of Starbucks. And I remember looking at her like Aww. I wanted to cry. And she's like, um, yes. Joy, it's just a cup of Starbucks coffee. And I was like, no, but it's not at yeah. Starbucks. You thought of me. And yes. <laughs> so it, it does go totally. so far. Absolutely. It really does. Like I have people that every year remember the date of my daughter's birthday and every year bring her a birthday present. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't buy their kids birthday presents. You know what I mean? I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like you don't have to do this. And they're like, we want to, we want to do this. And it means so much. It really does. Yeah. I love that. Cause you know what? There's a lot of, um, hard stuff too. And there's a lot of serving people and there's a lot of giving and there's a lot of times you know, your kids, your daughters are giving up their father and you know what, giving up their mother too, at times where you're going out and and serving and doing. And, um, you know, I know uh, there are people that do that on a volunteer basis. Mm -hmm. You pastors and pastor's wives do it to the extreme and, and it's rewarding and wonderful and beautiful. Um, but when people reach out and they're thankful and they give you these little things, it's just, it's heartwarming. It really is. Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's great. I love that. And I want to be one of those people. They inspire me to be that for other people. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. So you do so much in caring for other people. What are some ways that you get fed and you care for yourself? So... I mean, for me, I'm such an extrovert and I'm such, you know, like a a verbal processor that for me, talking to my friends, talking to, you know, my mom, my sisters, like my people, um, really fills me up. It really does. Mm -hmm. You know, me and you talking on Marco Polo, honestly, that really fills me up. It does, you know, and, uh, just meeting, you know, friends for coffee, whatever, like those things, I'm just naturally an extroverted person. And so I get filled up right from other people's energy but also I'm just such a huge proponent of counseling. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been, um, in counseling pretty regularly for, I don't know, maybe about five years now, I guess, I guess on maybe six years. So a little bit before Scott and I, um, came on at our current church, I started counseling and I've been, you know, in and out. Sometimes I'll take a few months off, go back a few months off, go back. But I think that people think that counseling is only for people who are, literally falling apart Mm -hmm. right and there's like horrible things like their world is falling apart and horrible things going on around them and sure counseling is for those people but counseling can also be for regular people going through regular things right you know what I mean like it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're in crisis to be going to counseling it's just really good to process right you know and just kind of work out some of these you know things that we all go through so Um, for me, counseling is a really good thing for me, Mm. my friends, you know, my family, um, you know, just going for walks with my husband and the kids, you know, just things like that. Yeah. And, and seeing your husband and your daughters before you, um, is just so fulfilling. 
And it's like, I'm sure it gives you that boost of whatever you need, whether it's, you know, whether you're, you're depleted and whether from working or tired or whatever, sometimes to see them, you remember your why, you know? Yes, absolutely. That is wonderful. I feel like so many women can listen to this interview and get so much, um, from the things that you said. And I'm just excited that you took time to share this. I know that you are such a giving person and um, just want to be able to speak into other women's lives. So I love that. We are oh, totally well, Joy, doing- I want to brag on you. You are the best. Anybody who knows you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm staring at you on a computer. Uh, anybody who knows you, you are, you are just the gentlest kindest soul you really are and you genuinely love people you genuinely want to be there for people and help people and I have felt so blessed by you I felt so blessed by our friendship I would do anything for you I'm serious so this is this was a joy to do (laughs) well same I I feel the same way about you I would do anything for you because you um you know, you and, and Scott have stood by Jason and I through very dark times and, um, and I love you. And I think that you are wise beyond your years. And so we're going to have, this is a, a promise that we are going to come back again and do a topic podcast. Maybe we can do it on defensiveness because I think that's such a big deal and it's not talked about enough. Totally. Yes. I would love that. Yay. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. We will be hearing from you some more. Okay, great. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed it. Please tune in next week where I have my first topic podcast. I'm going to be discussing the highs and lows of ministry with Rose Stapley. Tough skin, soft heart. That is our topic. So join us next week. Make sure you check us out on Spotify, iTunes, subscribe, leave us a rating, and share us with your friends. You can email us if you have anything that you'd like to talk about or any feedback, joyforministry at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you and see you next time.